Hey everybody, this is Gene Troyer. I'm the lead pastor of Restore Church. And what a pleasure it is to welcome you to our podcast. It's my hope that you will be marked by love and encouraged in your faith and inspired to become all God has created you to be. Now I invite you to lean in and enjoy the podcast. Uh, my name is Tyler Hartford. Uh, for those of you who are visiting today, my wife and I attend here as members. I was a pastor north of town for about 15 years, and now I work with a network of churches, um, helping with their leadership uh, development and um, assisting churches with various uh, aspects of their lives. And we are proud to call uh, Restored Church our home, and I look forward to bringing uh, a word with you today. We're working our way through the fruit of the Spirit, and so if you do want to follow along in your uh, Bible or on your phone, feel free to go to Galatians. Um, if you're looking for it in your Bible, I like to use the, uh, the combination of General Electric Power Company, uh, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, right there in the middle of the New Testament, quick way to find it. I like to remind us of the first words of these books, and at the very beginning of Galatians chapter 1, this is my prayer for you as we go into the Scripture. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. And later in this book, in chapter 5, before we get to the fruit of the Spirit, which we're working through, it begins with, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm. Do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. And over the last few weeks, we've been hearing from Pastor Gene, who opened with uh, the first, which was love, right? And um, I along with others on staff here, we believe that the first one of love then sets the tone for the rest of the fruit of the Spirit. It's almost as if you're holding up this diamond with these perfectly polished facets, and each fruit of the Spirit is some facet of how we demonstrate the love that God has shown to us, to the world. And then we heard from Pastor Jordan about the joy that comes that's outside of our experiences, that inner joy that comes from Jesus Christ. And then last week, Pastor Gene spoke about peace, that inner peace that resides regardless of circumstances, and that peace that is found within the world, within nations, within communities, within families, starts with the inner peace that individuals experience by knowing Jesus Christ. So what I'd like to do is, this is for those who like to have a roadmap, I'm going to um, speak briefly about the fruit of the Spirit. I'm going to give a 10,000-foot view of how I've looked at the fruit of the Spirit, and then we're going to look at a couple of ways that patience kind of rolls out in, in our lives, some applicable ways to think about patience. So first of all, when we come to around verse 16, it tells us that the Holy Spirit wants to guide our lives. And he gives this list of that which is anti-fruit of the Spirit. Are you with me? There are things uh, like 
when we begin to follow the desires of our sinful nature, the results are very clear. We see things like sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. I don't know about you, but that is enough that I know I can't dodge these, right? Somewhere, some of these things hit us where we sit. And so then Paul doesn't leave us there. It's like my old uh, preaching professor who always used to say, don't preach Jesus up onto the cross, dead. Bring him back to life and let him show his victorious power. And that's where we see the next few verses, right? And we'll have them on the screen as well. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. There's nothing that says you shouldn't be doing these things. This is the way to live a life that is abundant and overflowing and victorious. Some of us who have learned older translations, when we come to the word patience, we've also heard the word long-suffering. And that's some of what we're going to be pushing into today. So I promised you I was going to do a very short 10,000-foot view of the fruit of the Spirit. And there's a reason why I want to do this, because it gives context as to why we should be living in the fruit of the Spirit. I have this love of Scripture in such a way that I always want to try to find ways to show how it's all tied together. That you pull on one thread and it just starts showing you all these different connections. If you bear with me, if you start in Genesis, one of the first stories of the Bible speaks of two trees. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil and the tree of life. And Adam and Eve are said to have eaten from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and the Lord then keeps them from being able to eat from the tree of life. I happen to believe that because they then got the knowledge of good and evil, the Lord kept them from the tree of life, that they might live together, or live forever in the sins and all the bad mistakes that they're going to make. In some ways, I see it kind of as a merciful thing. But at the same time, this tree of life shows up throughout Scripture, all throughout Scripture. The Jewish people call it the Etchayim. It's this place that you go to where you receive the fullness and the richness of all that God has for you, this tree of life. Really, if we're honest with ourselves, we spend our whole lives chasing after where can we find that tree of life. And so one place that I want to note is that the last chapter of the Bible in Revelations 22, so you have around Genesis 3 over to Revelation 22, we have the very first verse of 22 that says, The angel shows me the river of the water of life, clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb, down the middle of the great street of the city. And on each side of the river stood the tree of life. I don't know how that works. It straddles a river. It's on both sides. It doesn't matter. It's the tree of life. And it's bringing fruit, 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nation. So this tree is just 
it's just producing all this fruit for people to be fed and the leaves can be plucked and made into a bomb that heals. But then if we go to the very middle of the Bible in Psalms, the first chapter of Psalms, we see this tree again, but it's in a very unique form. It says that blessed is he is the one in Psalms 1 who does not walk in step with the wicked, kind of sounds a little bit like Galatians, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and meditates on his law day and night, that person is like a tree planted by the waters whose leaf does not wither and whatever they do prospers. Genesis, Revelation, Psalms 1. I know that we have this tree, but now we start seeing that it's not just some tree. It might be like an image or a symbol of something. It might be an image of Jesus. It might be an image of his people. There's another beautiful place in Ezekiel 47 that informs Revelation and is drawing from Psalms 1 where it says that the angel shows Ezekiel the temple and this river comes out of it and it gets wider and wider and wider. And what does it say for those of you who know that passage? It says that there are trees all along the banks bearing, ever bearing fruit that are for the feeding of the nations and leaves that are for the healing of the nations. I don't know about you, but what that is telling me is that Paul isn't coming from some vacuum. He's not pulling this out of thin air. He's coming to us and saying, we are called to be trees planted by the river of water who people can walk up to us and pluck fruit from us and be fed. And that fruit comes from the Spirit. He says, we are trees that people can come and they pluck a leaf from us, and they make it into a bomb, and they can be healed by the words that we speak, by the actions that we do. Are you, are you uh, catching what I'm saying here? It's such a powerful image. And sometimes it hurts when people pluck things from us. And it takes a lot of work to be present with the Lord and let that fruit come. It doesn't just go pop and pop out on your limb. It takes time to develop. But that's what Paul is calling us to do, to join in with Jesus and say, will you come be with me, trees of life? Amen? So, to patience. Thanks, Gene. If you're watching live, there's a problem when you're a friend with the preacher and uh, they know that you're working on some things in your life. I jokingly told my kids that this could be a great Sunday for you to serve and in kids' department, and my whole family signed up. So I shouldn't have, well, I have one that could still heckle me. So when I think about patience, I define it kind of as maybe what it isn't. In my experience, patience has been defined by impatience that is shown through passionate outbursts of anger and frustration. Anybody understand that one? It's okay. We're together. I'm in the pews with you. All right? And so let's just name it. We can identify that pretty quickly. When we lose our cool, 
when we don't have any patience with people, it's closely tied to things like anger. Okay? But I will acknowledge that living here in the Midwest, I grew up in Maine. We tend to be a little bit more expressive sometimes in New England. <clears throat> um, but in the Midwest, there's this Midwest nice thing that happens, right? And there's also kind of like a large population like Swiss German kind of, maybe Mennonite Amish too. And I want to tell you, you don't dodge this bullet because impatience can also be shown in disengaging, pulling away, and cutting off, okay? So it's not just outbursts, but it's also kind of a stoicness, okay? So we all maybe can have something to take away from looking at this. And because we are called to be like Christ, we are to remember that another great word study is to look up the word long-suffering or patience in Scripture. In reality, God, in many places, we may think he's vengeful in the Old Testament, but in many places he's described as being long-suffering towards us. And in the New Testament, it comes out in things like he wants to be patient with us so that none will die, that, that more will come to him. Both Peter and Paul say things like, the Lord's patience gives us time to be saved and draw near to the Lord. Paul says in 1 Timothy, I was shown mercy, the worst of sinners, so that Christ might be displayed in me through his immense patience as an example for others of what the eternal life looks like. None of us can dodge this conversation because one of the key aspects of being a follower of Jesus Christ is that we might stand in front of people and be able to say that I, the chiefest of sinners, has been given the Lord's very patience that he might continue to shape me over the arc of my whole life into his image, that I might be a place where people can receive food of the Spirit and healing of the Spirit. So I want to give you a couple of handles of where I've been kind of wrestling with this. First of all, I want to talk about work life. There's an old story. I'm not going to go through the whole thing because it's kind of drawn out, but it's the whole concept of who kicked your cat. Anyone heard that before? So, you know, you got the salesman that gets ready in the morning. He's all upset in a hurry, flustered, snapping at his kids, slams the door, takes off. He's speeding down the road. Cop stops him. He gets a ticket. He goes off on the cop, and then he comes to the office, and he snaps at his secretary, and the secretary suddenly has a horrible day. She comes home. Her kid meets her at the door and, and asks mom, like, what's, what's for supper? She unloads on the kid, and he goes off to his bedroom, and this um, fluffy little cat comes down the hallway, and as he's on the way to the home, he just boots the cat down the hallway. And the moral of the story is the guy probably should have just gone to his secretary's house in the first place and kicked the cat. So, really, honestly, like when, when one person vomits, everybody vomits. Like, what is it that makes us kind of wired in this way 
that someone does this and then suddenly, like, it just sticks to you, right? You just... Uh. If you're a nurse, are you allowed to go off on your patient? If you are a teacher, are you allowed to go off on your student? If you're a minister and you're sitting with somebody in a broken relationship, are you really honestly allowed to, like, rip them a new one? Like, you can still speak truth, but honestly, like patients in each of the fields that we're working in, if you're a business owner and you want the best from your employees, is impatience the best way to get it? And I'm going to come to this in a second because what happened is, is having served as a pastor for 15 years, I always had to be on, like 24-7. And when you are, you don't know what that call is, or someone does something really stupid and you just want to say, stop it, and lose your cool. The problem is you hold it together and then it squeaks out in the sides. And it hits your family and it hits yourself and has all this other collateral damage. What we really need, and if you're coming into this space today as a business owner or some employee or somebody over someone and you're experiencing impatience, May it be that your prayer today is that, Holy Spirit, just give me that manna for each day. Give me that extra measure I just need for today to get through and to be a blessing and to be a tree of food and healing for the nations. The Lord loves those kind of prayers. I'm going to give one more example that just burned in my head because what happens is it's not just what we do, but also how we receive from people in places of work or or these public environments. I was mentored by my pastor who I loved dearly, but there was one thing that seared in me. We would go to a, a restaurant or a, a um, fast food place, and um, it was just something about him. He treated the cashiers horribly, like to the point where sometimes I wondered if he had spit in his burger when they handed it back to him. I don't know what it was. But I remember talking to him at times at a teenager saying, but what would happen if this person came to church next Sunday? You know, you're for everybody. What happens if the waitress at the local restaurant sees that you're wearing a restore church shirt and you treat them this way and then they want to come visit? Like, like there are consequences within the public sphere of what happens when we don't demonstrate patience. Eternal consequences. Lord Jesus, send your spirit. Convict us where we need conviction. Burn away in us what needs to be burned away. Give us Help deepen our wells of patience, Lord. I've been asking people to really pray for me in this next point because it comes to family. And we do a lot of messages here on parenting and other ways of working with kids and relatives and relationships. And I'm not going to repeat what we've been doing. There was a great series earlier. Look it up on YouTube on, on parenting. But kids have a way of being a mirror. And we have seven kids, for those of you who don't know that. So there's lots of opportunities to lose your patience. And they with us. 
So we have lots of, we have a disco ball reflecting back to us, not just a mirror. Some of you are going to leave this space and you're only going to remember the disco ball, but okay. So let's just say I'm working on it. And I'm so thankful that the Lord gives me a tender heart and continues to shape and mold me. Spouses have a way as well, right? That one little thing where they leave their nail clippings on the kitchen counter or something. I'm going to try to think of something, you know, like uh, they leave their, their bath towel on the, the bathroom floor. They do just like one little thing, and it's just like, man, I'm just about ready to lose it. But I'm, I'm going to speak about something. Um, Moses goes up to the mountain, and the Lord warns him that when people aren't turning towards him, that he allows the sin to go to the third and fourth generation. And I don't think that that's a punishment in the sense of the Lord wanting to, I'm just going to make sure every generation suffers. I think what he's saying is, if you don't turn towards the Lord and allow him to work in your life, then he's going to let us just kind of sit in the broken ways that we continue to live in. And I just feel this heaviness to share a story about generational sin and impatience. You'll have to understand that all the players I'm mentioning at this point, except for my father, are now passed away. And I have had a conversation with my father, and he will probably watch this at some point, and we're good, okay? I'll try to paint the fastest, most clear picture for you. My great-grandmother was the meanest woman I ever met. She had no patience for kids. I won't go into how she displayed it, but I didn't like seeing her. I found out about a year and a half ago, two years ago, that a family member was sitting with her as she was entering into her last hours of life and was asking her questions about what her childhood was like. And she volunteered the information that at 15, her mother came to her and said, you are either going to start working in the brothel that I run or you're going to get married. She chose to get married to a 17-year-old man who on their wedding day did not treat her so well. And she proceeded to be pregnant for the next 20 years. And in that process of parenting, canned some green beans one year that went bad, that made her whole family so sick that she had to send my grandfather, who was 11 years old, to walk into town to find the doctor, and in the process, lost a child in that autism outbreak. Now, Jesus is a healer, but my family at that time really didn't have a good relationship with Jesus. They were not connected. And you can just imagine all the ways that anger and frustration seeped back out into our family. My overriding emotion is now compassion and empathy for her. And I wish, as an adult, I could sit and just hold her.
my grandmother, my father's mother from the other line, lost her father at four, and her mom never remarried, and wound up being also a very imposing, tall, large woman who was not to be messed with. There is a story in our family of, I believe it was a Thanksgiving, where she thought my father snapped at him, her, and he, she broke the turkey platter over his head. So you can imagine that here I sit with a father who confessed Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior when I was about four years old in the home. And he has this river of impatience and anger flowing into him. And he's tried his best to be a different father. And he wasn't physical to me the way that family was. But there are also other ways to be impatient, such as with our words. I'm wired more like my mother. I love people. I want to just make sure everybody gets along. My mother was the kind of person that often would just step out or step away or disengage. And I vowed I was going to parent differently, but I started having kids and, what are you doing over there? What do you think you're doing? You know, like, where did this come from? In this generational river that needs deliverance is flowing into me like a funnel. And I can say that I parent differently than these other generations, but I still need the Holy Spirit to continue to bring healing. I need this community to lend a few leaves and share a few fruit. I need people like Jansen are sitting with my kids, giving them more examples of a, a man that wants to live differently. You see what I'm saying? We gather together in community under the name of Jesus that we might break these chains. I think I'm going to leave those stories now and just simply say, I need the Holy Spirit to wash over me every day. I need to wake up every morning and say, Jesus, come, heal me, wash over me, help my fruit to grow. Let things be different with my generation. May that be your prayer as well, if that's what you're struggling with. I'm going to end with this last point, and I'm going to go ahead and invite the worship team to prepare. It's self. Patience with ourselves. Sometimes we are impatient with other people because we've not given ourselves the grace that we need to live into. We let the narrative build in our mind that I'm not worthy, I'm not good enough, I'm not where I'm supposed to be, I have imposter syndrome. We dig at the spot on our face or we scratch at the spot on our collarbone because we've got no place for that impatience to go. And it just eats and turns back into us. I went through a season over the last few years where I would get up in the morning and I'd walk into the shower and I would begin this litany of the things that I didn't want to do. And I'd say, Lord, I just don't want to do it. Lord, I'm not good enough. I can't do this. And 
we have to make decisions. It's an ongoing, growing process of coming before the Lord and laying just one thing down at a time. Just, just at least, it's so hard to do it all. So you just say, Lord, you know, I don't want to deal with this person today, but I'm going to put this at your feet. And I'm asking for the strength to deal with it today and in this moment. Or if it's because you can't give yourself grace because you messed up, you screwed up, or you've got some broken part in your life that you haven't seen the Spirit heal yet, may that be your prayer today, that He will break that cycle in your life. He is faithful to hear that prayer. And I can testify to you, he's doing mighty work right now in my own life with that cycle that I was going through in the last couple of years. Because in Psalms 40, he says, I waited patiently for the Lord. I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and he heard my cry. And what did he do? He lifts me up out of the muck. He takes me out of the clay and he sets me on a rock that is higher than me. The Lord desires that for each and every one of us. The prayer team's gonna be down front while we're singing this last song. Even if you don't have the words to speak and you just need a blessing, just come up to the person and say, I just need a blessing. We would love to just pray over you and just share a blessing whether it's the trauma from the outside or the self-inflicted wounds that lead to our impatience that pulls us away from the patience of the Lord, the Lord is faithful to heal and he wants to hear your cry. Thank you so much for this opportunity to share with you today. It has been a real blessing and an honor. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. Please rate and review us on Spotify and iTunes and join us again for next week's podcast. We love you and pray blessing and peace over you and your family. 